G'day. Welcome to the Far North Leadership Podcast. My name is Jeff, and in each episode of the podcast, I'm going to interview a leader from the beautiful city of Cairns in Far North Queensland. It's called the Far North Leadership Podcast for that simple reason, because it features leaders from the Far North. So I'll interview people from a variety of different sectors. You know, I believe that we can grow as leaders simply by listening to and learning from each other. I don't know about you, but every time I meet a leader or I overhear a leadership conversation, it helps me grow. So I encourage you to settle in and listen up and you'll have the opportunity to learn from a guest in every single episode. In this episode, I interview Warren Elliott. Warren had a surprising twist in his leadership journey when he encountered some struggles with his mental health. Life quickly spiraled out of control and Warren has had to grapple with leadership, work, family and identity as he slowly regained health. I spent some time with Warren recently here in Cairns. Warren, it's great to have you here today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be here. I'd love to begin by asking you, when did you first realise that you were a leader? That's a good question. I would say there wasn't a definitive sort of moment, but probably thinking back on my life, um, you know, I started as a chartered accountant, you know, in the sort of um, traineeship program in South Africa. In the first couple of years, you're really finding your feet sort of thing and, and very much taking orders from the more senior people. But probably about my, my third year in the professional services firm, I started really supervising younger, I guess, less experienced um, accountants, very exciting accountants. And, uh, and it was probably at that point that I would lead a team and have to instruct and, um, you know, guide and sort of um, direct, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it was around that point. So I must have been about... Hmm, 25 years old back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so 10 uh, years ago. It wasn't uh, the kind of situation where you were leading the rugby team at school or anything like that. It was no. kind of lay dormant until you're in, in the work setting and then it came out. I think so. I mean, this may surprise you, but um, as a South African, most, most people play rugby. I didn't very, very play very much rugby back in, okay. back in Africa. I did captain, you know, indoor cricket and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I don't think it ever sort of came to the surface that I felt like a leader, at least at that point. I was still finding my feet and... Um, and those kind of things. So, yeah, I'd say around about mid-20s, I thought, yeah, I'm a bit of a leader. Mm. Mm. Okay. The realisation hit me. So tell us then, fast forward a few years to July 2017, tell us about your leadership context at that point. Um, at that point, I'd, I'd continued with the uh, professional services auditing and accounting firm. I'd moved countries from South Africa to, to Australia, but very much a similar role. And I guess through, through those professional services firms, there's very set... Um, sort of promotional benchmarks that you go through during your career and as of uh, 1st of July 2017 I'd been promoted to director which in our firm um, the sort of top rank would be partner and second to partner would be director so I was um, I was right up there mixing it with the big dogs really uh, yeah, yeah. So and what that, was that like what, what kinds of things were you <laughs> responsible for uh, well, yeah, I only spent about two months. I'm sure we'll get to that later. But um, I was responsible for, I guess, the overall strategic direction of the firm. Um, so the high-level stuff, looking after the staff, making sure the staff were well-managed, making sure we had the right uh, mix and number of staff, etc. Um, looking at the finances of the firm, um, as well as selling the business, I guess. So, so really a, a much bigger picture than, you know, someone in the lower ranks without any disrespect to those those levels. But I guess those people are much more focused on the actual doing of the task at hand and what our business is about, whereas I was really the governance um, side of things, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And did you enjoy that? 
Uh, yes, uh, yes and no. There were certainly elements that I did enjoy. I liked the big picture stuff, and um, if you, oh, you know me pretty well, and others do too. I'm not one for details. Um, <laughs> that gets lost in uh, lost in the mix somewhere. But as far as big picture goes, a strategic organisation, yeah, I do enjoy that. Um, but there's elements where it comes to selling uh, the business and um, you know KPIs and, and pressure and everything else that comes with big corporates, generally speaking, um, that I don't I don't enjoy. To be honest, so yes and no. That's pretty standard. I think anyone in a leadership role would say there's elements that they really thrive on, and yeah. others that are more difficult. So when did you first begin to notice that that something wasn't right for you? Um, yeah, yeah. Looking back on my life, um, early signs. I'd probably say late teens, early twenties. There were some um, indicators, I guess that. Yeah, I guess I just didn't feel like I was like everybody else in in that sense. And if I look back now, I'd have to say it was sort of um, early signs of anxiety um, kind of triggers, I guess. And and things like just, you know, um, sitting in a coffee shop at uni or something like that, having had three cups of coffee or uh, or espresso or whatever it was, and suddenly just just feeling awkward and just not settled. And I thought, hmm, this is a weird feeling. But it didn't really impact my life at all, so I just kind of carried on with it. But, yeah, there were certainly things along the way. as well as you know, getting into the personal side of things, uh, my mum passed away when I was early twenties, and I certainly went through at least a, a, what seemed like depression um, at that stage. So yeah, and throughout my family, um, mental health, as much as we probably didn't um, use that phrase back then, um, was prevalent um, through siblings and through aunts and uncles and all the rest. So yeah, um, but really, life was normal uh, to a large degree up until probably um, probably maybe three or four years before. Um, I guess I had a, a major sort of um, a bout of depression and anxiety, which was which we'll get to later, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, a- anything serious a few years just before before last year when I um, when I've taken a career break. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, so thinking now of, of you know, first of July you were a director in this firm, mm-hmm. responsible for lots of things, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know enjoying that for the most part. But mm. when did you realise that that some um, something wasn't quite right there at that time of your life? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I'd probably known for a while before that, a good few months before that. Um, I'd sort of, you know, progressed through the ranks and um, without um, boasting, um, you know, I'd got good feedback and everybody told me I was doing very well and um, kicking goals and everything else. So it was good, you know, you get flattered and um, you feel nice about it. But inside there was always a bit of a conflict because I knew with every promotion that I got at the firm comes more responsibility and more pressure and everything else. So it was always, I was always treating cautiously and um, in the months leading up to becoming a director there's quite a um, quite an extensive uh, assessment process I guess to become a director you don't just sort of um, get the nod so you go through uh, at the firm anyway that I was at you go through an, uh, a panel interview you have to present a case and do a sort of theoretical sort of business plan and things like that you do a det- detailed sort of aptitude and personality trait test as well as your um, sponsoring partner, I guess, at the firm has to write a business case to say why they actually think you'll you'll be good to serve this role. And even in that lead-up, you know, I remember chatting to my wife, um, you know, quite um, deeply, I guess, and saying, you know, should I do this? Because I know I've got some 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 issues, I guess, when it comes to anxiety and depression. Do you think it's good? And we both um, deliberated and discussed it through, prayed about it as well, you know, being a man of faith and um, and decided that it was the right thing to do at that stage. So I went for it and, and again, I did very well. Um, I got 
excellent feedback um, thinking back now and it was across across Australia it wasn't just in Cairns and um, I actually came out as the top candidate wow. across Australia which um, yeah again very flattering and they gave me great feedback and all the rest so that was a nice year um, but yeah things were very much hanging on edge I guess at that stage um, and I didn't know timing going forward but I knew that yeah things just weren't right with me I really wasn't settled and um and quickly after becoming a director, you know, July uh, 2017, um, I sort of got thrust into the, the limelight, of sense, and all of a sudden I was attending um, a lot of sales, kind of breakfasts and networking and going to the amateurs horse races and things like that and really expected to schmooze, I guess, the, um, the business people in town and sell our business. Um, yeah, and I guess at that time I thought, hang on, what have I got myself into here? Mm. Mm. Can you remember a particular moment or a day when everything changed? Yep, quite clearly actually. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, it was a couple of months after getting promoted and doing all those sorts of things, and um, and then being a director, they really trying to groom you to to then become a partner. So the firm had like a new director um, sort of work group, I guess, across across the country, um, and it also happened to be we're a seasonal business. Um, so it was a very busy time of the year, lots of going on with the actual you know client work and everything else. And it was the end of August, I think the 28th actually, um, I remember it as I said quite, quite clearly. I had to fly down to Brisbane um, to attend the new director's um, sort of briefing where all the kind of top brass from, uh, from across Australia, the partners and everything else would be there. So it was a big, big event, certainly a big event for me. Um, and flying, don't really like flying because of anxiety type of issues. Being in a big city compared to Little Cairns, you know, we're way up on the 60th floor, whatever we were. It was just a sort of perfect storm for, for someone that had my kind of anxiety issues. And I uh, went along and it was just a bit of a blur the whole day that we sat in the training thing. And there was presentations, there was everything. And somehow I got through it and certainly there was no one that said, you know, Warren, are you okay? I had this wonderful um, learned um, veneer I guess mask that I could put on whereas inside it was just it was it was turmoil really um and then I flew back that night got back about 10 o'clock to the house and just said to my wife I'm really really not doing well yeah that that was pretty much in a sense breaking point um but got up the next morning felt uh, yeah so so but thought no I've got a soldier on and I did but at that stage I actually sought help um, which I had done previously, um, but I think this time I knew it was a bit more serious. It wasn't just going to be a sort of band-aid um, remedy. It was, yeah, I, I knew in my heart of hearts this was, this was pretty serious. Um, so if I can go into that, you know, I went to go see my GP and, um, you know, explain what was going on. And GPs are pretty well versed in, in mental health sort of issues these days. So they, they were quite concerned um, about me, but said, look, let's try some medication and see how it goes. So they did. They prescribed medication and... Um, and I went on those for, it must have been about a week or 10 days. And then there was another point. So I went back to work. I kind of soldiered on, did a few other things, but I was really wasn't feeling well. Just um, just headaches, anxiety, nauseousness, uh, nausea, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I lasted another about 10 days till I think it was the, um, what was it, 12th of September, if I remember correctly. And I uh, got up the next morning after that, the previous night, and just said, oh, really, I, I can't do it. Um, and I spent a few days off, and then I thought, you know, chatting to my wife, obviously, and thought, uh, you know, let me spend a few days off, middle of our busy season kind of thing. Um, emailed my bosses and, and didn't wasn't completely clean as to what was going on. I just said, look, I'm unwell, give me a few days off kind of thing. And they said, well, fair enough. So a few days went by, um, and eventually I started asking questions, and, you know, are you coming back? And I was like, yeah, I should. So it was Monday, whatever the date was after that, and uh, I said, yes, I've got to pull up my socks and really get there. Feeling awful, couldn't concentrate, couldn't think. 
just a very bad place. Um, the next morning, got up and said, no, you know, it's been a week or whatever it was that I've had a bit of time off work. I'm going to get back there. Put on my work clothes, just started feeling more and more anxious kind of thing. Drove into work, my, my you know, place I've been going for the past 10 years and got to the actual office um, uh, parking lot, I think, which was sort of underground kind of thing and just sat, you know, parked in my normal spot, which was next to the lift, looked at the lift and I just, just completely shut down. Like I could not get out the car and actually go in there, which is a very unusual experience. Mm. Um, I remember seeing someone that, you know, works with me and, and they looked at me and I just quickly pretended I was on the phone because they probably thought, you know, what, what the hell's I do? Just sitting there. Well, that's, that's how I felt. Um, and from there, yeah, it was just, that was, to me, my, my nervous breakdown, I guess. I, I couldn't go in. I sat there for 10, 15 minutes just thinking I need to go in, but I can't. And eventually I said, no, got to go. So I drove down to the Esplanade and I, I just just cried. I was in tears. And just thought, what is my life coming to? Um, and that was pretty much rock bottom. Uh, and then went home, yeah, and cried some more and uh, chatted to my wife and just said, no. And, and, and again, it was just more of a realisation that, hang on, this is quite a serious thing rather than just a, you know, a bit of a blip on the radar. Mm. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. You're now uh, <laughs> just over a year since then, mm. uh, 14 months or so since that, that time as we record this. Mm-hmm. What are some things that have helped you the most since then? Yeah, obviously I, I saw the questions and I thought about that and... Um, there's a few things that come to mind, but I certainly think speaking about it, and I'm sure you see all the the posters and um, awareness campaigns and everything, and uh, and they do um, heavily promote, you know, just speaking about it and are you okay and all those kind of things. Um, I'd say it's difficult because sort of if the early signs and indicators are there, I'd say that's really the time to start talking about things. I was, you know, whether it's male pride or ego, whatever it was, but I wasn't keen to talk about it and. Um, and certainly in my role, one of the um, one of my favourite aspects of, of being a director was looking after, I guess, and counselling the more junior staff members. So they would always come to me and, and I would be kind of the, the shoulder to cry on in a sense and I would always counsel them through things. But for myself, I always just took it on board and I, I hardly ever spoke about any of my issues or concerns. And on, on the outset, most people say to me, oh, you seem so, you know, cruising and laid back and like you've got everything together. Um, but on the inside, that, that wasn't the case. Um, so I would say, you know, advice for anyone else, just, just speak about things. Whoever it is, you know, your partner, your friend, your, your um, you know, your church pastor, whatever it is. Speak to someone, if no one else, you know, go and see your GP because, as I said earlier, they, they're well-versed in the stuff and they can point you in the right direction. So I'd say that, speak, speak about it um, sooner rather than later because my experience is, you know, when you get into a sort of nervous breakdown, if you want to call it that, I don't think doctors technically use that term, but call it severe depression, um, yeah, you're not in a place to start speaking about it to general people. I, I confided in my wife, obviously, and my close close friends. Um, but it's very difficult to talk, and it took me about six months, I guess, of sort of treatment and recovery to get to a point where I could actually talk about things, um, which is good in a sense because initially to build up that sort of courage to, you know, just talk to uh, even strangers on the street and, you know, how you going, what do you do for a living? That's normally the question come up, and I'll be like, well, at the moment, nothing. Oh, why not? Uh, because I'm, you know, suffering with depression. But um, as I've probably explained and maybe chatted to you off, off, off air, um, that process itself is remarkably healing um, because no, I've never had a bad experience when I've told someone about it where they go, you know, you're a, you're a bit of a freak. or That's how you feel, you know, you've got the scarlet letter on you, whatever it is. But when you speak to people, they just, either they know someone, they've dealt with themselves. It's so common. So once you actually drop your guard and speak about things, um, people are remarkably supportive and encouraging and everything else. And that, just speaking about it, is, is really um, therapeutic, I would say. Um, I would also say just... 
Uh, you know, GP, I think, is first port of call. You can also, you know, call Lifeline, um, call the Black Dog Institute. There's a, there's a number of great organisations out there. For me, it was our family GP first port of call, and, and she was very helpful. Um, but then as time went by and I started speaking to other people, they, you know, word of mouth was good, and they put me on a few other things. And I would say sort of shop around, because as much as I, I, I admire my GP and everything, I did eventually find another GP who's a bloke, and he, he specialises in men's mental health, and he's just been a ray of light for me. He really He's a former psychiatrist. Um, and he's just a good person just to talk to, even if you don't, per se, have depression. Or like that. Just to go and chat about life and difficulties, and um, we all face some difficulties. It's just good to have a, a sort of sounding board and someone that will listen to you. Um, also, I mean, I saw psychologists, I've seen psychiatrists, I've seen occupational therapists, and, you know, some, I guess, you click with and some you don't, and that's just like life, um, you know, in your sort of personal relationship. Some people you get along well with, some people you don't, but, but keep looking around, I guess, and um, if you find a sort of good one, whatever field it is, stick to that person, um, but don't be afraid to, I guess, um, look elsewhere. Um, I, I, you know, I took a few sort of attempts at finding... Um, medical service professionals and eventually found some really good ones and I stuck to them and each one has got a slightly different approach that you can you can sort of take um, positive positive attributes out of that'll help you in your recovery um, so yeah that would be my advice something I'd never heard of before was occupational therapists that specialise in mental health and I, I think chatting to a few people as well they go oh, I thought occupational therapists just do like rehab and that kind of stuff but they are there's a big field when it comes to mental health and they gave me a lot of practical tips as to what to do on a daily day to day basis as to how to structure your day and those sort of things and I'd never heard that in the past I'd sort of been online and spoken to other psychologists and they very much about the cognitive sort of talk therapy which is useful but they don't give you such practical day to day uh, an occupational therapist to me um, was excellent and very very helpful along with others um, and then yeah the other big tip which is difficult to to change and it's almost like it takes a significant event but it's lifestyle changes so you know before that I was working in a, a full-time job um, working a fair bit over time had a lot of corporate pressures um, climbing the corporate ladder uh, married, and we had just recently had our second child, or fairly recently, I think she was about one, one and a bit years old. Um, and all of those things just combine, and you, we were really stretching. For us, anyway, I think each person is different as to how they handle it. But for us, we were burning the candle um, at both ends when it came to all of that. And it just it takes its toll. And I guess some people can navigate through that, and it's fine. And some people, it really um, burdens them. And perhaps if you, if you know, you know, within your family, you're, uh, you're possibly predisposed to, to a risk of... Um, of depression and anxiety, just be careful with those things because it can just bubble over. Next minute, you you know severe depression, and you don't want to be in that place. So, so watch the early signs and um, just watch your um, your lifestyle, I guess. Mm. Mm. You're uh, a, a minor celebrity here in Cairns as the uh, <laughs> the co-host of the Cairns Multi Sport Crew podcast. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Very, very flattering. Yes, I say that tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what role? If has anyone's it? listening, go and check out Cairns Multi Sport Crew podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't what, edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> what, what role has sport and exercise played in uh, in your health? Because you were involved before as a mm. as an amateur athlete. What what, <laughs> what role has it helped in in uh, your health these days? Yeah, it's been huge. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword, to be honest, and I don't think there's, there's much research into this area. But I guess from a positive perspective, sports are excellent because um, as much as when you're in that really bad period of dark hole, whatever you want to call it, you don't want to get out there. And there's probably a, a season where maybe you shouldn't because you're feeling that bad. But when things start to pick up after you've you know, seen doctors and, and had some treating medication and talk therapy, then to make that step to actually engage in sporting activities. And for me, it's you know bike riding and running and, uh, and swimming and I'm a bit of a kayaker 
um, and all the rest. It's just good because a you're actually doing exercise, which releases endorphins and serotonin and everything else into your your, your body, um, which physiologically is is excellent. And there's a lot of research to that effect. But also socially, you're actually engaging with people, and it just takes your mind off you know the problems at hand and the issues you're dealing with, and gives you a bit of respite. I guess um, so. I think it's excellent um, in my sort of you know dark period of of a few months at least um, towards the end of last year. I very much withdrew from that scene and. Uh, and I don't regret that um, because I was in a, a bad place and even sort of leaving the house was actually very difficult. Um, but as time went by and I felt I could possibly do it, then I would say take that step and um, and get involved and do the sport for those reasons. I, um, um, on the other podcast, when I was interviewed about this recently, I'll be looking into it. But again, I would say, you know, it depends on the person, but... Uh, very much for the two or three years leading up to leading up to that point in my life, um, I was doing sport, but I was very much every time I went out, I was pushing myself to the max. And if you if you get into the nitty gritty of um, of sports and what happens to your body, if you're pushing yourself to the max and you're kind of um, extending your heart rate and everything else, your body's releasing a lot of um, hormones and um, whatever else you can call it, like cortisol and um, and things that are linked with, I think it's the parasympathetic nervous system from what I know, and I'm no expert in this, but it's basically putting you into like fight or flight mode. So if you continue to do that, there's a question to say, well, are you actually, you know, draining your body? Does it have a detrimental effect on, um, on your mental health and is it linked to that? So I think it's quite a new... Um, sort of, you know, new area still to be discovered and researched. But, but from my own personal experience, pushing myself all the time, whilst it felt good, I certainly think it had a draining effect and whether that contributed to, to what was going on, possibly. Um, so I would personally express some caution when it comes to that. But as far as exercise goes, you know, if you're just doing sort of moderate exercise with a, with a fairly decent um, heart rate and you're doing that social um, interaction, I can only recommend it. Mm. Mm. Have you found anything that really hasn't helped? that you've tried or things that people have said that on reflection the last year you just go that yeah that didn't um yes probably personally I would say pride pride doesn't help and you know leading up to to my sort of big life event um just not seeking help and having the ego and, and everything else and thinking I'll be right and I'm sure that's pretty common amongst especially males perhaps females too I don't know full well um, but yeah, I would say put that aside, and you know, even at the moment, watching Prince Harry and um, Princess Meghan, if that's what you call her, um, you know, they're talking about mental health as well. And even Harry says, just don't be too, um, you know, too sort of proud to go and ask for help because everybody needs it. And this is the, you know, Prince, I guess Prince Harry himself, and he said he's opened up about his struggles with mental health, which is great. You know, he's an ambassador for it. But I would just just echo what he's saying. And if you, you know, think you got problems, even if you're not in the sort of clinical depression. Or anxiety or any other mental order space just go and talk to someone talk to your gp find you know if you feel more comfortable talking to blokes find a good um, male gp and just go chat to him and say this is what's going on and they'll provide a lot of advice so i would say that that just put aside your pride because a lot of people go through it and it's not you know it's a stigma of past it just seems to be at least very much changing these days which is excellent um and then to me yeah as you see psychologists and doctors there'll be various different um techniques and um and approaches that doctors can use and, and talk therapy and everything. Some of them I find useful, some of them I don't. Like, personally to me, and I'm not knocking it, but there's a lot of stuff to do with um, 
um, you know, discovering your feelings and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's useful, but maybe it's more a male thing, but I, I wasn't so keen on that. I wouldn't say it was unhelpful, but to me it was a little bit of a waste of, of time and resources, but so be it. Um, whereas to me, you know, being a practical-minded, um, sort of rational thinking and everything else, finding the occupational therapist who gave me just just point-by-point point things to do each day, um, I found that very useful. So all I can say is don't, don't knock anything and don't not try anything because you never know if it'll help you. Um, but there will be certain areas in the mental health um, space that, that might not be useful to you, and you've just got to recognise that and, and you know speak to whoever it is and say, I really don't think this is working. And, and there's various approaches out there that you can then switch to. Mm-hmm. Mm. If you could rewind the clock three years and go back to pre, pre-director Warren, mm-hmm. uh, Warren, who knows he's a leader, is, is in a leadership role and uh, exercising that in his life, and still, you know, life is full on. You had a son at that point and, mm. and married and, and doing other things. Uh, is there anything that that you wish you'd done differently three years ago? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Yeah, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and looking back, I probably wouldn't have you know pushed, I guess, or, or been keen to um, climb the corporate ladder. But it's it's difficult when you're in the space because it just seems like a natural progression. Um, you know, whether it's firms or corporates or whatever it is. But the kind of idea is keep progressing. You know, you're doing well. You've got all the, the attributes and everything, but I think at that stage, for me, recognising that, hang on, um, maybe the corporate pressures and selling the business and those kind of things, which I, I didn't particularly enjoy, um, were actually very detrimental to my mental health. And recognising that and perhaps taking a slightly different path on my career career progression would have been good, but, um, yeah, nothing. Again, that's hindsight. At the time, I just didn't realise. Um, no, I can't think of anything that particularly... Um, steer me of course but I would just say just yeah just speak about it don't be proud um, and be mindful of um, potential indicators mm, mm. Yeah. yeah I don't ask that question to say that you, you did it wrong yeah. and you should have done it differently but I just I wonder you know is it uh, is it something that, that was going to come eventually and it's something you have to work through in your life or yeah yeah just interesting to explore. Mm, yeah, fair enough. Mm. Mm. So uh, you haven't been back to work um, since, no. since that day sitting in the car. <laughs> yes. uh, I would still consider you a leader in other aspects of your life in terms oh, of you, being Jeff. an influencer and you're, you're organising, you help other people be organised. Mm. Mm. Uh, as I said, the, the podcast, which is just a fun thing you, you do with mates. Acquaintances. Do you have any sense of, of what the future could look like for you? Yeah, that's also a very good question. Obviously, I've had you know a year plus to think about it. Well, I'd say the first three months of my episode, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just in damage control. But after that, as um, you know, you kind of rise from the, the ashes, if you like, and uh, things become a little bit clearer. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. Um, obviously, I'm a trained accountant and got qualifications. So part of me thinks, well, it'd be a real waste to um, to change careers and do that. But Part of me also thinks a lot of people do actually change careers and it's not necessarily a bad thing. And um, there's certainly skills that I've learned and, and gained from being an accountant that I could apply in, in all different areas. And as you very, very nicely said, you know, organisation skills. And that, that was a key, I guess, in my workplace. And, um, and that, as much as I was an accountant, I was also a project manager um, for accounting type of um, projects. And, uh, and I can use those skills elsewhere. So no, nothing's um, become clear to me. I would, uh, I would love an audible voice from, from what I would say, God, to come down and say, Warren, you're going to do this for the rest of your life. But um, that hasn't happened and I'm not sure it will. You never know. Um, so I don't know. But part of me certainly thinks I want to help anybody that's been through a similar experience or you know, struggles with mental health or whatever it was. So whether that's becoming a counsellor. 
um, or just generally in sort of friendship um, groups do that kind of thing. Um, part of me <laughs> really enjoys uh, gardening and actually being in there. And, and again, you can look at research and, and being in the environment and outdoors, it's very therapeutic. And I know that just you know, having something that you can look after and grow and nurture and everything else, it, it does a lot for you. So whether it's a gardener or a landscaper, I'm not sure. Um, so that's about all that sort of come to the fore. I was thinking about professional podcasting, but um, as much as I was very excited as we get, I'm not sure that's going to be a paid position at any point, but I still love doing it. Um, so there's all those things wrapping around. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wish I knew more, um, but at the moment I've still got to be patient. Um, I guess from another point of view, there's the financial aspect, which if anyone else is listening that thinks about these things, and I never really reviewed them, but when it comes to personal insurance um, policies, income protection and TPD and the like, um, it turned out that I had very good policies um, through my corporate um, uh, engagement, which is excellent because, as I said, you don't worry about these things until something happens. But all I can say is from a, a point of view, go and check your policies, chat to a financial advisor, of course, I'll put that little disclaimer. Um, but just check these, these things out because you never know. Um, and if you need to review or update your policies or make some changes, you just want to know you, you'd be covered. Because I shudder to think when I was in my darkest sort of days, um, our insurance policy kicked in and that covered our expenses and everything else. But if it wasn't there or if, you know, didn't... Um, didn't pay out, life would have been a lot tougher. And as I said, I shudder to think if we had financial stress to deal with as well as the emotional and, and family and everything else, that would have been a lot harder. And I'm not sure where, to, where things might have ended up. So, yep, if you're out there and you're thinking about these kind of things, just, just do yourself over and go see someone and check out your, your policies. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank, thanks for your honesty. You know, mm. I think if there's, there's one thing that someone could take away from your, your story, apart from the the realisation that it can happen to anyone mm, and it can mm. happen when you least expect it um, and it can just hit suddenly and kind of take over your life, um, that it doesn't stay there, that mm. there is hope. Mm. And even though you say you don't know what the future holds, yep. you know, that there is there is positivity about the future, there mm. are options for the future mm. um, and that everything hasn't fallen apart. Mm. It's just been a letting go of what was and then looking for what could be next. And that's, yeah, mm. I didn't touch it earlier, but that's such a big deal. Again, 12 months ago at this point, I would have been, you know, thinking my life is over. It felt like a massive weight. It was just, just awful, um, that sort of severe um, episode of depression. And at that stage, I remember talking to people and saying, you know, counsellors and everything else, they say, Warren, you will get better. And at that stage, it's so difficult to believe. You just feel awful. You wake up every morning, you don't want to get out of bed. You've got no um, desire, no appetite, no nothing. And to look back now, as much as I've still got, um, you know, some issues that I'm working through and life's not all, all rosy, um, a hell of a lot better than I was um, back then. So, yeah, if I can provide hope for other people, I was in a really bad place, as um, as those close to me would, would attest to. And to know that 12 months on after, you know, therapy and everything else, life certainly does get better. So there is hope and there is help out there. So hang on. Yeah. Mm. Thanks so much, Warren. Thank you, Jeffrey. Good to be on the side of the um, microphone. Mental health is a huge struggle for many people and probably for many of you listening. I love Warren's simple advice that your GP doctor is the best place to start your journey towards better mental health. There are so many other things that will help along the way, but if you're struggling today, would you make an appointment with your GP before your pride or your busyness or whatever else gets in the way? Just grab the phone and make that appointment and begin your journey towards better mental health. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Warren. I hope it's been helpful for you. And, and if it's not something for you personally, then I hope it's helped you understand others in your leadership world better. 
Keep an eye out for future episodes of the Far North Leadership Podcast. If you subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, they'll pop up whenever a new one is released. And if you find this helpful or interesting, please pass it on to a friend or a colleague, and maybe you'd even like to leave us a review on your podcasting app. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Far North Leadership Podcast.